Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius. We're back like Mike in 95 with episode 45 of the... Shoot that shit. All right. Shit. The shit. You'll get the shit. Hey, what's up, everyone? We're back. This is episode 45 of the Shooting the Shit STS podcast. I am your host, creator, founder, owner, whatever you want to call me, Ernie C., the Gap Tooth Genius. Returning listeners, without you, the show will be nothing. And I want to show nothing but love for a lot of new listeners we're going to have today. We got a special episode for you guys. I got photographer, family friend, great all-around guy, Jake Tovar in the building today. Actually, we're doing this via Instagram Live. Uh, it's a real special special episode, but I want to give a big um, thank you to everybody who tuned in for episode 44. Um, it was entitled Rat. Uh, Takashi69 has been the headlines lately in hip-hop, so we just wanted to give our thoughts on that. Shout out to everybody who tuned in and watched that episode. Um, you can find all our uh, podcasts here on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, wherever you can find uh, podcasts. I promise you the STS podcast is on every podcast platform. Uh, it was. A, it felt like it was a real good episode. I had my guy Magoo come in. I had my brother come in. We were talking about Mike Tyson coming back, um, the movie Capone, uh, first gig back from this lockdown, which we're still currently in. I think today, um, it's midnight, Friday morning. Looks like Bakersfield's about to be in phase two of um, this COVID recovery we got going on. But again... If you guys want to buy a STS podcast shirt, a DJ EC3 shirt, hoodie, they're still available. They're, man, I'm blessed to say that we've sold over 100 DJ EC3 shirts. Uh, you guys can find those on the DJ uh, EC3 website. But also, go to STS Podcast 661 on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, you can watch all, or you can listen to all prior podcasts. If you're a new listener, uh Make sure you guys peep those also. I think they're really good podcasts in the vault. So I appreciate everybody tuning in, man. I've uh, got a lot of good response. It was controversial like always, but I love controversy. Um, without controversy, we won't have anything to talk about. So it was a real good episode. We have episode 45 today. We got some things we're going to talk about. Uh, we got uh, Undertaker Last Ride came out, The Last Dance with Michael Jordan. That's why I said we're back like Mike in 95, we're in 4-5. This is episode 45. Um, my guy Jake and I, we did a gig um, this past weekend. We had a nice wedding together. We've been trying to work together for a long time. Family friend of mine. Uh, it was really good. That's something I want to discuss also. Um, it looks like we're getting, we're slowly getting back to normal here um, in America and the world. So we shall see what happens. We're going to keep these podcasts coming. I dropped the last one about nine days ago, so I'm trying to stay consistent. It looks like we may have some more gigs. If I could establish this Instagram Live uh, podcast and appearances and try to line up some guests, I'll be more than happy to do that, y'all. I think it's going to be... Um, it's going to be real beneficial to the podcast that we keep making um, making these efforts and making things happen. Um, 
we're gonna also t we got we got to talk about love of um the passion. I think a big topic today is about finding your love and um in your art and going all in and making sure that uh, you're doing the work that's necessary to uh build your skills, build your reputation. Um, grinding without the grind, y'all, we're not gonna make anything happen. So again, I appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, I hope you guys tell a friend on Apple Podcasts. If you guys subscribe to us, you'll get all the new episodes right away. Leave us a review, whatever you um whatever you like. Uh, again, if you guys have a gig, gigs are coming up. Shout out to everybody graduated. Want to give a big big uh, shout out to um Cat Stancil, my guy Domo's wife. She actually graduated with her master's degree today um you know of course you know graduation is not the way it is in the past due to this COVID-19 um again shout out to Kat um really honored to be there today we uh provided the musical entertainment for her get together her family um tomorrow today we'll actually have a get together with my cousin Erica I hope she's not listening because I'm about to spoil that surprise so Erica I'm really proud of you too that's my little cousin like my little sister She's going to graduate from Cal State. Really proud of her. Um, she's worked her ass off, and she deserves it. She's a really intelligent young woman. And uh, to see her grow up has been an honor and privilege. So, again, everybody out there, high school, a lot of our high school um, players at foot here, they're graduating without the celebration, I guess you could say, without that, with that, um, they're, not, they're not crossing the stage. And it's really sad, man. You really feel for those kids. I know how hard they worked. Shout out to my guy, Pony. Um, everybody on the squad who's graduating this year, my guy, Kev. I really uh, wish I could have, you know, witnessed you guys crossing the stage, but this is just the way the chips from, this is the way, you know, the dominoes of, man, fell. This is the way that the universe provided it, but, um, Really proud of everybody. Shout out to everybody who's grinding in school. Keep doing your thing, man. We're all going to keep grinding. Um, and before we go into, you know, the shooting the shit segment, let the DOC tell you what you need to do. Now do me a favor. Let me in here. Okay, y'all, this is the Lend Me Your Ear segment. We're here to shoot the shit with no specific topic or objective in mind. I'm not here to change your mind. I'm not here to change your beliefs. I'm just going to give y'all my truth and just get some things off my chest. This is my type of therapy that I love um, just to get things out. And we're going to go right into it. Um, this week, a lot, of, uh, a lot of my childhood was based around basketball, sports, wrestling, and right now is a... Man, it's, you know, everything's kind of shut down. There's no sports. There's no live events besides wrestling. Uh, they're giving these great documentaries out. If you've been, I don't know if, you have, if you've been living under a rock, you'd known that uh, Michael Jordan and uh, the, in the, his Bulls team has a documentary called The Last Dance. And, man, they ended it on a high note. It was beautiful. Again, I wasn't, a, I wasn't old enough to be... Uh, and and to to be able to witness MJ in his in his prime, even at the tail end of his Chicago run, um, I remember vividly the I I remember the Sonic the Supersonic series. I remember the Jazz series. But I was about seven, eight, nine years old. So to get a to get a witness this documentary, The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, you really see um, his competitive. His obsessiveness, his obsessiveness with being competitive, his drive into determination. It was, um, 
there's a scene there where he's talking about how he's perceived in the public and how he's perceived by many as an asshole. And he's damn near in tears stating that, you know, he, he's competitive and he's he gave guys push. He pushed people who didn't know they needed to be pushed. He drug he drug his team when they didn't want to be, you know, going through the mud. And it was awesome. And I, what I loved, um, the quote that I really loved uh, Jordan stated was, I didn't ask them to do something I wasn't willing to do. If you're not willing, and he was willing to push his body to the limit. And, uh, man, a leader uh, got the results done. I know a lot of people probably did not, uh, didn't really appreciate the way, you know, he picked on his teammates. He pushed his teammates. Uh, and he does state, if you don't like it, that means you haven't won anything in life. And he, you sometimes, man, especially when you're obsessed with something, I don't know if I have that gene. Um, but when you want to do, you want to be the best of something, you're going to, you know, of course, give sacrifices. You're going to do whatever you can to push yourself, put yourself in the best position to succeed. And it was awesome to see that. Um, you get some backstory. Steve Kerr, um, his father was an American, um, I guess, a, a, I don't know how to say this here, president of a school in Beirut, which is in Lebanon. And at the height of that turmoil, there was a lot of, you know, uh, some crazy conditions out there in Lebanon. His dad was murdered, and I didn't know that about Steve Curry. You know, he was just a freshman in college uh, when that when that occurred. Uh, you see, Michael Jordan's father. That's something that I guess they never talked about. They but they had that in common. Both their fathers were um, sadly murdered. And Michael Jordan, you see the you know how close that relationship was with his pops. And it, it it was sad, man. There's a a famous scene. I'm sure all the backs are basketball heads, uh, hoop, um, diehard hoop fans. They know what scene this is when Jordan's on the ground with uh, this basketball after he won his, I believe it was his fourth ring on Father's Day, and that was the first time. I've ever heard the audio of this. Um, I always seen vi the visual, but I never seen the audio. And you know, you hear the man sobbing, and this is his first time winning the championship without his dad on Father's Day. Uh, like his dad was tragically robbed and murdered. So that was, you know, that was a side of MJ we don't, we never seen before. Um, you see Dennis Rodman. You seen the leash that the leash that he had with Phil Jackson, and I mean, as a leash as he could get away with a lot of things. Uh, man, this guy in the middle of the finals skipped practice to go fly out to Michigan and go appear on WCW to be a member of the NWO. At the time that um, Hulk Hogan was on top of this mountain, pushing wrestling to heights that wrestling's never seen before in the mainstream. That was an interesting story. And then you just see how many times Michael Jordan and his squad tore down the dreams of so many great Hall of Fame players um, from Gary Payton, John Stockton, Carl Malone, Patrick Ewing. There's been so many occurrences that these guys didn't get a ring because that obstacle was MJ. And it was quite, it was quite impressive how they depicted and they they shared that story especially with the indiana pacers you tend to forget how good that team was um reggie miller was not intimidated by michael jordan 
Uh, you see when you get, you know, he calls Michael Jordan Black Jesus. And there was a reason for that. You guys really have to watch this. You guys really, to really get a grasp of what I'm saying. Um, beautiful documentary. Uh, I've... I know Karl Malone hasn't been a um, a beloved figure in sport and basketball, but Karl Malone, man, I want to give the man credit. After he got his ass kicked in that 98 series when MJ hit his last shot, the man went on that team bus. The team that just beat him, that defeated that, that defeated him and his squad, who's, who went back-to-back -back in the Eastern, in the Western Conference Finals. Back-to-back -back in the Finals. And he went up to them and shook their hands and congratulated them on the win. Uh, you see some funny interactions with uh, Jordan and Bird. <laughs> man, there's some epic moments on there, man. When when Gary Payne was saying that he could clamp down Michael Jordan. And just the response that MJ had, that laugh. He kind of shrugged him off and was like, I never had a problem. The glove never could stop me. I didn't have a problem with Gary Payne. So you really see that, man. You really see what they had uh, going on. And then you have another game. You have the what-if scenario. Uh, that team never lost in the finals. They never really were dethroned. Um, they were dis they were dissembled. Uh, Jordan retired. Rodman got released. Pittman signed with the Portland Trailblazers or the Houston Rockets for some fat money. And Michael Jordan had a bitter taste in his mouth after that sixth ring. He felt like he could win this. They could have won a seventh ring. Um, who knows? Uh, you know, you could see that um, his surrounding, uh, his his teammates and the surrounding pieces, they were their skills were diminishing a bit. Their skills, um, you know, Father Time is undefeated. So that injury bug, Pittman was had a. You know, a bad back in the seventh game. They didn't know if he was in the play or not. Rodman got released. He was actually he was never the same. I know he had a, he had a couple. He had a pit stop in Dallas. He had a pit stop in with the Lakers, but Rodman was never the same after that. Steve Kerr was a little older. Um, oh man, you can't. Randy Brown maybe that 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 he didn't play much. So his team. I don't know if that seventh ring was possible. They, you know, any team of Michael Jordan, a prime Michael Jordan, feel like I feel like they had it. You have a chance to win that title. So, and that's all because of egos. You know, I think that that the Bulls organization was saying, organizations win championships. We can rebuild this. We could duplicate the success with or without Michael Jordan, with or without Phil Jackson. Um, again, you guys see Michael Phil Jackson won five more titles with the Lakers. And I think the next 10 to 12 years. So it was really crazy, man, what Eagles could do. Um, you get a dive into Michael Jordan, you know, playing baseball. How, um, you know, he, he had some skills. He wasn't a great hitter. Was it Tony Gwynn by any means? But you definitely see the potential he had. And just someone who didn't play baseball for almost 14 years to go into a double-A um, squad and, you know, make an impact. It's really impressive. And it just shows with that, you know, with the grit and that, that determination could do for you so it, I, I really recommend you guys watch this i'm not gonna overhype it and say it's the greatest basketball documentary but it was a good watch i really enjoyed it and i'm really really glad i'm grateful that i was able to see that i remember when they first announced this um i believe it lived up to the hype and it exceeded all my expectations so again y'all check out the last dance um speaking of the last another thing i wanted to talk about was the undertaker you guys know i'm a big wrestling fan 
uh, Undertaker, you know, I believe he's, man, how old is the Undertaker? We have a computer, so we're going to utilize this thing. Again, y'all, this is going to be the episode 45 of the STS podcast. And uh, Undertaker, he is now, let's see, he was born in 65, he's 55 years old. So Undertaker, you know, he's been, um, this is kind of, I don't want to say the equivalent of Michael Jordan, but I was a I was a grown man. I was a kid. I I witnessed Taker in his prime. I was able to see every um, how do I say this here? Every dimension of Taker's character, the evolution of his character, either you know good or bad. So I was really happy that WWE has this. They have a sort of like last dance with um, with the Undertaker. You really get a behind the f- first time ever. You get to see the behind the scenes look. Um, you know the pain that this man goes through. Um, he's been doing it for. He's been doing it for almost 30, 30, 35 years, maybe longer. He's been in the game for a long time, and you just see how those bumps, how that um, how that affects his body, and how that um. You know that it's a strain, and you know you know you, you hear hip surgeries all the time. You know even hip replacements. Good God, that is a major surgery. They show that on um, this documentary. It's both his last match was supposed to be a Roman Reigns, I believe it was a WrestleMania thirty three, and it, you know he did shit the bed. He had a bad match. Um, he had a bad hip. He wasn't ready. He knew that going in, but. You know, with with wrestling, you make you know you you show up and you do what you gotta do. You you lay it all in the ring, and it it, it shows this side of Taker. Um, he he's dying himself. He's realizing, you know, maybe Father Time is, you know, finally catching up to me. But how do I quit on this? No, how I don't want people to remember me uh, as that old guy in the ring. Against Roman Reigns, he didn't want that to be the everlasting image um, of his career that he's worked so hard to accomplish. So you really see um, how it affects his family, his wife. Uh, you know the training process, the grueling training process that he's going through, and you gotta really respect this man. He's a living legend, and it's beautiful to see. You really see this guy is. He's one of those characters that back in the day, you live your gimmick. And Undertaker's honestly been one of those characters who has always lived their gimmick. You would think he is the dead man. But you do see um, his real name is Mark Calloway. You get to see Mark Calloway in ways that we never seen him before. Um, there's a, I think this is going to be a part five, a, a five-part series. So they released episode two the other day. You see, um, you know, you see that. That will, that grit again. They used to, you know, we're talking about Jordan, but, you know, Taker's 55 or 52 at the time, and he's gained hip replacement surgery. And you see how many surgeries he's had throughout his career. I believe it was 22 surgeries um, on various parts of his body. He's been fighting through injuries for a long time. So he finally got this hip replacement surgery, and good God, it's a grueling um, surgery on the body. It's, it's, um, it puts the body through a lot. And you just see that training process of him trying to get back in the ring just to um, see how far he could push it. Let's see if I could bounce back. Let You know, he, he's losing weight. He's going through reps. He's um, doing whatever he can to get ready for this match with John Cena in the next year's WrestleMania. And it's a lot of special moments to me. Um, him interacting with Vince McMahon. Um, 
his relationship with Vince McMahon, he feels like you know Vince is never really, he's he didn't leave Vince's side. He's loyal to Vince McMahon, and I believe Vince is gonna take care. You know, he's gonna take care of Taker for the rest of his life. Uh, Vince, they asked Vince McMahon, who's not really known as an emotional guy. He, they asked him, you know, what does Taker mean to you and your company? And the man had to get up and walk away. He couldn't answer that question. He was too emotional. So you really get to see that um, that relationship uh, behind the scenes, you know, how it really is, how much they really care about each other. And it's not just about business. So uh, it's it, I really appreciate it, man. I get to see my Jordan wrestling, you know, Taker's on my Mount Rushmore. So it's really special to see that side that no one has been exposed to and kudos to WWE man great documentary their production's always been next level and I highly recommend you guys watch that oh man uh, I guess you, we gotta just we, let's pause it to this right here I guess you guys have heard and I don't know if you guys are really um, I'm sure you guys don't know exactly who he is but I know you guys heard of um, Shad Gaspard, Shad Gaspard, um, he was, uh, he was a wrestler back in the day for WWE, uh, Shad Gaspard, he was part of, uh, Crime Time back in the day, um, really good, not, mid, I believe, you know, different tag team, they were really more, brought that hip-hop culture to WWE, um, just real sad, Shad, well, I guess we're swimming at Venice Beach, and you know how those tides go, and those, and those currents—they could take you. Um, they can make you know they they drown people. They cause numerous deaths. And man, this guy um, was swimming with his kid and his family, and they were trying to uh, save save their son. The lifeguard was out there, according to the story. Um, they were drowning, and Chad said, "No, get my son." Um, of course, what every what any father would do. Um, unselfishly said, "Take get get my son. Make sure he's good." And he unfortunately went under, and they recovered his body today. Actually, so rest in peace, Shad Gaspard, man. Um, I kind of wish I was more uh, appreciative of his time in WWE. I do remember Crime Time. It was a great group. Had a lot of good moments. But um, the wrestling community, man, wrestling community is a real tight community. So they've been showing a lot of love to his family. I know his wife um, uh, broke her silence today. You know, she said her son, her husband was a hero, and it's just sad, man. I think, and I'm sure all you fathers out there, you guys would have done the same thing. So rest in peace, Shad Gaspard. Um, it's real sad in the wrestling world, man. And another sad topic in the wrestling world, actually. Uh, there's a, there's a movie, a TV show out there right now. It's called The Dark Side of the Ring. And, man, the season finale was regarding the last days of Owen Hart. And, man, it's something I grew up studying, something I grew up uh, always wondering what happened to you know, Owen Hart. Back, I think it was 1999, around May, uh, Owen Hart, big wrestler, you know, Hart family legend. Uh, he's getting brought down from the ceiling of this fucking arena, uh, like Sting did back in the day. So he's getting um, led down, and in the middle of this segment, this is how he enters the ring, this stunt goes fucking wrong. Uh, he's somehow 
released from this, um, I don't even know how to fucking say this, it's, a. Uh, he's being lowered down by this cable, and this cable gets unstrapped somehow, and he falls, and he's, to his death, um, he dies in the ring that night, y'all, it's one of the most, it's one of the horrendous tragedies in pro wrestling, it's probably the biggest black guy next to Crispin Wall that Vince McMahon has on his resume, and, it's been over 20, I think, believe over 23 years. And this is the first time his wife, uh, Owen's married to Martha Hart. This is the first time in since this tragedy has happened that she spoke out in public on the record about this incident. And, oh, man, something that I never thought we would be able to see. I thought she would have been, she's okay with that wrestling I don't think she gives a fuck about wrestling. She does not owe us any type of, um, she doesn't owe us any explanation. She doesn't owe us an interview. So Martha Hart with her family, they did this, you know, they did this episode kind of, uh, um, the last few days of Owen, they gave a rundown what, you know, kind of what the truth was. Well, I think we were just so, um, WWE gave us this narrative that it was just an accident. It's a freak accident. Um, they had no idea how dangerous this stunt was. It was unforeseen. But you see a lot of evidence that goes against that. Um, Martha's speaking out about how she sued WWE. And, and in turn, they sued her for breach of contract over her dead husband. Um... You know, the impact that it had on her and her family. This man had two ch children. They were babies. I believe they were five and three years old. He left behind little babies, man. So, just to see a side of Owen that we didn't get to see, you know? Because WWE does not really... They don't really put him out there like that anymore. They're, it's in bad taste if they if they put a spotlight on Owen. He's not in the Hall of Fame. She would put, She's never going to allow him to be in the Hall of Fame. And she gives some really valid points about, you know, how this stunt was wrong. They, they, they had a company, they that was not was not confident in this in this stunt. They 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 undercut um, the people who put this together. Uh, they were amateurs. I guess the um, it's crazy the release rod or whatever you want to call that. It only needs six pounds of pressure. To flip open. And that's what happened. It was really eerie to have her show that on TV. It was really crazy actually. And just to see you know. How much Vince McMahon treated her family like shit. How Owen Hart's family turned their back on her. Um, honestly to get their asses. If they would have went on with this lawsuit. They would have never got a job again. Um, it's a rumor. Don't know how true it is. But if you listen to some of these podcasts. Where Martha's talking. You know with Chris Jericho. Um. The directors of this series again. This is Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, Bret Hart was saying, you know, if we, if you're gonna make this, if you're gonna do the lawsuit, can you try to get my video rights? Can you try to get my, my rights back too? Like, what? That's some selfish shit, in my opinion. So, real crazy episode, man. It was really sad. You really see the other side of the story with, um, with Owen Hart, and it's just sad, man. It's real sad and. It's heartbreaking. It's one of the biggest tragedies in wrestling history. So just to get a glimpse of that, just to hear the family speak out, and you know they don't—they didn't owe us shit, but they got their to say their side of the story. And shout out to everybody. Um, shout out to the directors and producers of that show. 
really good. I hope they get a season three. Um, but hey, you know what? This is episode 45. Let's bring this up a little bit. Uh, we had the La Fever gig this weekend. First wedding in months, man. Really well. I feel like the ceremony was smooth. Everything was really effortlessly and smooth. Kind of on the fly, too. Uh, I got to work with Jake, with Jacob Tovar. Really great uh, photographer. Sure, some of you new listeners are waiting for that interview. We're going to get that into that now. Um, it was real fun, man. It, shout out to the Lafevers, uh, Savannah and Mitch. I'm really honored you guys picked me to provide your musical entertainment. It was really beautiful, y'all. I really thought it was um, really elegant, uh, family only. You know, we're in a social distancing stage right now. It was really fun, man. It was beautiful to see how close that family was. A lot of family history, and they really take that seriously. So I was really, uh, I did whatever I can to make sure that she wanted to get it the way that this our clients and vision and working with Jake, man. Um, something we always said we we're gonna do. Jake's a, a well known photographer, um, respected. Uh, I, I enjoy his work, I feel like it's unique, it's beautiful, it's his own. And man, we hit it off. We had a great, um, we had a great chemistry. There was certain times you guys are gonna hear in this interview, you know, I do some suggestions and. You know, Jake's, yeah, let's roll with it. It was kind of on the fly. It was organic. I feel like everything should be like that. I don't think you should. We don't have to rehearse a thousand times. So, shout out to Savannah and Mitch for picking me, man. You guys treated me so well. I, man, people, when people, I always say, when people come up to you and ask you for your business card after a gig, that's how you know you're doing a great job. And, man, it was awesome. I think uh, you know. I think with, you know, we're in phase two right now of this COVID nineteen recovery. Um, so maybe I hope the gigs start coming around. Uh, I've been really doing a lot of um, self reflection with my passion, y'all. Just trying to get back into the state of where could I get better and how could I keep building on the skills that I have now. Sometimes you gotta just go back to square one with no ego. And just start relearning and see what the people that I um, believe who are, you know, some of the best DJs, what are they doing and how do they get there? Uh, so I'm really trying to just find that love. And not that I don't love it, but just, man, build on that love. And it's sometimes, you know, it's frustrating sometimes. I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, people tell me I'm, you know, I'm great, what I do, great at what I do, but how do I get better? How do I keep making, how do I grow my love for this music, for this DJing? How do I advance my skills? I want to be a well-respected DJ. I want to be able to say, oh, yeah, you could, I could do it all. Um, with Savannah's Wedding, it was different. It was country music. It was, you know, the tone was a little, it wasn't this big old party. It was, you know, the fucking speakers were blaring. It was a calm, elegant chill wedding that's the only way i could describe it um that's the way they wanted it you know they had their families a little older relatives and this is just the vibe they wanted and it was different for me you know i'm really used to getting you know hyped up and this is the biggest days of our lives let's let's get fucked up honestly let's have this fun but it was the opposite so it really trained me it really got me um and more experience in doing 
what I love, but in a different way. It was a different avenue. So really proud of the work we did this week. Again, I say we because Jake and also the videographer. I forgot the videographer's name. Shout out to my guy. He was actually came from, I believe it was San Bernardino to do this. So good, good time, man. Um, but the COVID-19, I believe it's making me making others also, not just me, I'm not the only one with the podcast, we're exploring new avenues to um, get shit done, we're making, we're going to do new things, like today is going to be our first ever live podcast interview with Jake Tovar, and you guys can find that on my, uh, on the website, or on the Twitter, I'm sorry, and on the Instagram, stspodcast661, um, sorry y'all, it's like one thirty in the morning, so I'm kind of getting a little tired here, but... You guys could definitely check out that interview. Uh, we did that on Instagram Live. First time I ever did that. Thought it went really well, man. Uh, you guys are about to hear that right now. This is going to be special guest Jake Tovar. We're going to actually name this Motivated. M-O-T-V-D. Shout out to Jake, man. I asked him last week if he'll do it. He said, man, give me a date. We'll make it happen. He said Thursday at 12 p.m. Man, was the second late. Great guy, smart, loves what he does. I hope you guys tune in next week when we drop another podcast. I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Jake Tovar. Again, my name is Ernie C., the Gap Tooth Genius. Let's get into the interview with our special guest, photographer Jake Tovar. We're recording. We're on. Jake, what up? Dude, this is perfect. It's recording. Cool. Bro, man, just hanging out, man. Wish you could have been here in person, bro, but I appreciate you coming on, my guy. Dude, no, thanks for having me here. It's been, uh, it's been a minute. Dude, it's, man, so this is the first ever Instagram live podcast we're doing. This is pretty cool. This is kind of out the comfort zone, but I like this. If there's one positive with this whole uh, pandemic is we're doing things out of our comfort zone. So I appreciate you coming on, bro. Where are we? Uh, thank you. How you been? Man, just trying to trying to be creative, man. Trying to keep the creative juices going, man. Um, yeah. I appreciate you coming on. It was, man, I just asked you what it was on Saturday. We did that wedding together, and you said yeah. no doubt. Let's do it this week. All right, cool. We here now. It's been, um, I think the first time, the first podcast we did, um, yeah, like you said, the universe kind of just, we just reconnected through that, and we said, yo, you were telling us how you were going all in on your passion, like, you don't have a nine to five, the photography is really what you love doing, so can you explain to the new listeners, now this is a whole new podcast, this is going to be the Shooting the Shit podcast, this core audience um, what photography means to you and how you got into photography, bro. Dude, kind of crazy. Uh, it was all a dream. Uh, I, I, it was all a dream. I kind of quote that from Notorious B.I.G., a famous song, Juicy. But, yeah. dude, I used to, I used to start shooting on just an iPhone. 
Um, iPhone photography, and this was back in 2010. Definitely. Um, so things kind of started picking up then, and as technology advanced as well, uh, they came out with like photo apps and like Instagram and apps where you could add filters to, to your photos and stuff. And I kind of just got plugged in with that. And I was doing the, the, the iPhone thing for a while, probably from 2010 until 2014, 2015. Um, and then my mom, she picked up a camera for herself to take photos of like the family, Definitely. take photos of my brother and I playing sports, mm-hmm. pretty just low-key stuff. And eventually she, she stopped using it. So when she did, I was like, yo, moms, if you're not using it, <laughs> uh, can I try and pick this up and see see if I could uh, run with it and kind of learn from it. So the huge process of just failing over and over again, I'm just taking the, taking the camera, uh, putting on my headphones, walking around downtown Bakersfield, but trying to take photos of random people walking across the street to buildings, to cars that would drive by. Uh, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Bro. Yeah, definitely. But I would always, I would always fail and the photos would come out way super dark or would they come out super, super light. And when I got something on point, I wrote down those settings and yeah. was like, yo, maybe this is the, the equation to success or something. Um, wrote down those settings, next morning went out and put those same exact settings to my camera, but the photos would still come out way different. Definitely. Just because it's all based on like a quality of light at that particular time and stuff. So, I don't know, dude. Um, 2015 to 2017 is really kind of when it started picking up for me. Um, at that time, my brother was in high school, and he uh, he played varsity football and varsity soccer. And again, I didn't I didn't know how to photograph those things, uh, but I was just trying to trying to learn, trying to gain as much knowledge as I could. So mm-hmm. I went out there to the football games and tried to take photos of the running backs, the quarterbacks, the student section, yeah, uh, anything I kind of could really. When uh, when did you first start getting comfortable letting the world see your work, bro? Definitely unique, bro. I put off the camera thing for a while. I kind of just really enjoyed the convenience of everything on my phone and doing it that way. Um, But I don't know. Even with the camera, I guess so. Like, at first, all my work was, I didn't know what I was doing. But when I got something that I thought was really hot and really tight, I posted. Um, So I was never, like, afraid of what the world would say about it. I kind of was just hopping in because I, I fell in love with it. I felt, felt that passion with it. I felt that joy with it. Definitely. And it brought me happiness. Definitely. So, to the point, I was like, if I'm chilling, I'm, I'm happy with it, then, then sure. But Jake, 2020 Jake, looking back at 2015 Jake, 2014 Jake, it's like, damn, bro, like, what was I doing back then? Yeah. But back then, I thought it was hot. <laughs> Definitely. It's so, funny. Transition, like, maturing and the vision is my train and just learning more things with like editing and all of that stuff. Like it takes time too. It's total, it's a total process. You feel like you're your biggest critic, bro, of your work? Uh, to an extent. Yeah. But I'll have like homies. I'll, when I, when I think something like is like really dope, 
uh, are really good. I'll typically like send it to my girlfriend or I'll send it to like my good photography homies. Definitely. And I'll be very blunt with them. I'm like, dude, critique this to the most emotionless aspect possible. Definitely. Um, just because I'm really, really wanting to to understand their their raw perspectives. Like, I don't want them to sugarcoat stuff. Never. You never want the yes man. Want them to tell me what I want to hear. Definitely. I want to hear the the things I don't want to hear almost. Definitely. Like I'd rather have someone telling me my, my work is horrible and why they think it is horrible. Yeah. Rather than always I don't want to say praising or telling me. Hyping you up. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that's called cool too, and I definitely appreciate the support and I definitely appreciate like the love and stuff. Yeah, definitely. But as do. like an artist, like I almost want to hear what am I doing wrong or what would you be doing differently? Because yeah. I mean, to an extent, artist objective, like you Definitely, might bro. something like with music too. Like yeah, I'm gonna say that, like yes. Like, yes. I don't know. Everyone has their own taste and their own opinions, but understanding other people's perspectives and maybe including that into your work yeah. can be beneficial. I so, think with the art, especially like I consider photography and music are damn near the same with the art, just because I need constructive criticism because that's gonna push me to get better. I've I need people to tell me, hey, that transition didn't sound so good, or this gig, you could have done this better, this song placement didn't really work out, you know? I don't, I need that, because I don't want to, like you said, you don't want to just keep people hyping you up. I don't want people to say I'm the best, when people over here say, oh, he's really alright, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I definitely, I can relate to that, bro. With the COVID-19, how has that affected your business? Um, Since we are, you know... Entrepreneurs, this is how we eat. Photography is how you eat. DJing is how I eat. How is that affecting business right now, bro? Hundred percent, bro. Like for me, there's two busy seasons out of the whole year, and that's like spring season and like Halloween into into Christmas. So like I guess fall. Yeah. Um, those are those two seasons are like Christmas for me. It's uh, like wedding season, graduation season. Nonstop. Colors are changing. The weather is nicer. It's not 110 degrees outside of Bakersfield. Um, so people are more people are just wanting more photos during these occasions. Definitely. So I don't know. It's, it's the COVID-19 has affected it completely. Just because even on like a wedding aspect, people are rescheduling until next year. People are pushing it back. Definitely. Um, people are even pushing smaller weddings or like eloping styles of weddings. Definitely. Um, which is going to affect the budget and going to affect like contracts and stuff like that. So yep. it's been cool at the same time though, because it gives me a lot of time to reflect back on my work. Definitely. It gives me a lot of time to focus on different aspects of my life. Um, I've been trying to cycle more, I've been trying to put more emphasis on the health side side of things. Yes. I see you cycling, my guy. I see you out there getting your bike on. I love that. <laughs> I'm trying to drop some weight. <laughs> Bro, I've been trying to run too, man. It's been hard for me, bro. It's been real hard. Yeah. With the aspect of rescheduling, you know, we're kind of getting pushed, pushed everything back. I feel like I can relate to that also because when the money kind of stops coming in, you got to keep working on your craft. And I think I found the love again to the point of, okay, I need to f- keep going. I need to keep practicing. And yeah. this is the now that I have these three-week blocks, I'm not doing shit with gigs at least. <laughs> I need yeah. to keep working on my craft. I need to keep yeah. uh, now fi- finding the love and finding creative ways to make a little bit of change. You know, um, shout out to everybody who's been donating. I've been doing. The, if you've seen the weekly uh, the lockdown mixes I was doing, that was yeah. that was real. I was lucky for that man. I was real lucky. People are really good to me, man. I've re- 
I see you with the raffle too, bro. Do you want to let people know about the raffle? When does that end, actually, too? If you could let people know. Yeah. So shout out that concept. I saw. Uh, I for sure was not the pioneer for that. I saw, uh, saw a lot of wedding photographers and people in the wedding industry in Bakersfield um, doing these types of raffles where they would raffle off a uh, like a free photo shoot. They'd raffle off like an hour's worth of mentorship. Um, they would just try and build. Uh, what's the word? They'll, they'll not build anything, but they'll just raffle, raffle off their either their expertise or uh, just like photo shoots and stuff. And when I thought raffle, and then when I thought squares, I just remember the. Did you ever like have like squares during like a Super Bowl? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, like, yes. Everyone would like buy a square for like five bucks or ten bucks, and yep. if the score was like fourteen to fourteen, then that person would win like. I don't know, like a basket or like a gift card or definitely, something like that. Definitely. So that reminded me of just like childhood growing up at like my uncle and auntie's house. I was just what, like people buying squares and stuff. Definitely. So then I saw photographers just take advantage of that same concept almost. Um, they would put 50 to, 50 to 100 squares, yeah. sell them at 20 to $40 a pop. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So I thought that aspect was kind of cool. And, um, Essentially, it's just people, it's, you, you invest 25 to $45 or however many squares you want to want to buy. Yeah. Right now, a square for me is $25 per square, but it's you get entered into a raffle where you could win a uh, like a full-on like photo shoot with me, an hour session. Uh, we could travel up to an hour and a half away from Bakersfield. Definitely. And that is kind of worth upwards of 300 to $450. So you invest 25 in efforts to try and win something like that. Uh, $25 is a lot different than 450 Definitely. Um, so it's definitely just a little game, a little gamble. Yeah, bro. Um, and it's helping you out at the same time too during these times. Definitely, bro. Yeah, shout out Rob. What's good, homie? What's good, my guy Rob? My guy Sonny's on here too. What's up? What I treat, what I, I guess, a po- another positive, bro, is doing something like this. Um, I don't really do live po- podcast, bro. I've never been my. That's never been my thing. So this is a pretty good idea. I know you're practicing social distancing right now. Um, with photography, bro, uh, is that really? Um, are you still able to do sessions right now? Or are you kind of just keeping it away from your clients, or how has that been working with you? To an extent, bro, um, I have a, a few lenses that let me shoot about 15 to 20 feet away from the subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I do get hit up for these these options and, or these these sessions, um, I do mention that like I, I can still shoot from a distance. Okay. Um, at the same time, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to keep putting or putting. I don't want to like market myself or over market myself and say hey i'm out there i'm trying to work i'm trying to shoot like i'm still trying to practice like the social distancing and stuff like that but definitely. at the same time like i need to eat <laughs> we definitely gotta eat bro uh, so i've been trying to tell people when they do acquire information for sessions and stuff i just throw that in like i could shoot from 25 feet away and the photos can still come out pretty solid decent yeah definitely uh, come out pretty decent so I like to throw that in there, and yeah. How about it completely. Saturday? We um, that's how we linked up again. The universe is just a crazy thing. Um, I felt like Savannah and Mitchell's wedding. It went really well, bro. I think it went. Um, it was pretty much. It was really smooth. 
uh, I, that was the first time I really got out if, and mingled with people who weren't with the fam. So that was cool. I I really enjoyed working with you, my guy. I know that's something we really talked about doing, and I thought it, it went really well, man. I think you, I think we killed it, honestly. Dude, hundred percent. No, I I totally agree. And like, I don't know when when wedding couples come to me uh, wanting photography services, they always ask like, "Oh, do you recommend a videographer? Do you recommend a DJ? Uh, do you recommend a wedding planner? Things of all, all that nature." So mm-hmm. I think this is just a prime opportunity for us to capitalize on our chemistry Definitely, while working bro. together, yes. but also plugging each other um, yes. when we get other clients and stuff. Because I mean. I just want to see the homies do well. Same here, bro. I, I want think, to see the homies find success, and we all want to eat. And I think we all want to be the best at what we do, too. And I want to provide that with any client. I want the client um, to be just have the vision. I think we could execute the vision the, the way they really, um, I guess, picture it. You know what I mean? I think, uh, especially with just um, what I enjoyed working with you, wasn't like we had a big debate about anything. We just went on the fly, honestly. Like, hey, what do you think about besides having it over here? Why don't we just have this first dance in the grass? And I felt it, it was a better, it was a better shot for you. Likewise, dude, and I, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, I didn't really think too much about that. Sorry, if it's loud. No, you good. I think it was a great idea, bro. I just felt like I want to when I when I was looking at the first dance, I don't want to be looking backwards. You know what I mean? Like everybody would have had to get up, and it would have been. I thought it would have been a bit inconvenient, so that's why I suggested it. And I think, like I said, with you, bro, you're like, yeah, let's do it. And that's the kind of stuff I like to see because some photographers out here do no, did no diss to anybody, but it's a debate. And it's like, I kind of see the vision, like, I think it'll be cool right here, especially for your shot. It's It was cool, dude. I think that was, it went with the yeah. go. And just on the um, the itinerary, I think we did really well on that, too. Everything was kind of just the way she wanted, the what the exact time, the specific, the, specific, ah, the specific time she wanted, she got it. And she was happy with 100%. it. They were happy with it, I think. 100%. And, like, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself a wedding photographer, but same time I, I do shoot weddings and i only probably shoot maybe i don't know seven to 14 7 to 20 a year Definitely. Um, but at the same time like when you're i'm sure you're put in this type of situation as well with like basketball and coaching and being around sports a lot but Definitely. sometimes you gotta adjust right when things happen yeah. and like being open-minded enough to considering an option or yeah. considering a play or to consider a, a substitution with like a team and stuff. So Definitely. At the same time, like wedding photography and even photographing sports has helped me kind of like make those adjustments or make those those changes right on the fly. Definitely. Uh, it's definitely like forced myself to be more efficient. And even with shooting weddings, a lot of it is very itinerary based. We're on a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I only have thirty to forty-five minutes to get in. The family photos, the bridal party photos, and Definitely, photos bro. of the couple. Definitely. So it's like putting a lot of pressure sometimes and forcing me to either be more efficient to become better or try and, I don't know, 
lead a group of people better because during weddings sometimes people are starting to drink and then they just don't start listening and stuff and mm-hmm. as a photographer and also as on the schedule like we still need to meet those requirements of the schedule and i still need to make sure i get those photos for the couple definitely um so it's i don't know it's been cool like it's it's forced me to uh, like i said to make adjustments and to make decisions on the fly yes to consider other vendors opinions on it definitely because i mean the weddings are just weddings are more than just the photographer and the couple as you know like yeah. we got we got the dj we got the videographer we got a wedding planner um so that team aspect and also i think me growing up playing sports and stuff like that and helping volunteer coach soccer that team aspect has kind of forced me to uh work as a team and that's and that's to work as an individual that's the only way i think with weddings that's the only way it gets done dude i've been that's why i was really happy that y'all was working with you because i've had bad i've honestly had bad experiences with wedding planners videographers um you know sometimes and it's cool i want i don't want to rush anybody but we do have a schedule so that's why i was telling mm-hmm. you if i gotta milk it a little bit i could milk it it was that's what I loved yeah. about the wedding. It was a backyard wedding with just family. It wasn't, they weren't partiers. You know, I think we st- we had a, we set a tone and that was kind of the tone they wanted the whole time. And that's, it was, I thought it was really special. That was one of my favorite weddings though, bro, honestly, just because how close that family was and the grandparents having, you know, they created this vision for their granddaughter. I thought that was really, it was beautiful, bro. 100%. I yeah, think. perspective i was like super happy with my shots definitely and even from another vendor or from my perspective at the other vendors as well like everything was just so smooth bro very smooth with it stuff and that's the reputation definitely that's the rep i want to i want to that's the reputation i really want to maintain is well especially if we're going to keep working together you with rob uh, or or dom and irv you know shout out to them too that's I definitely would love to do some stuff like that because I think we could just take it to a whole nother level and Dude. it's cool to be with, you know, people that you know. So I think we could dive into that. That's another question. I guess another, just a fun fact of people, our parents came up together yeah. for years, bro. And I think there was a, like a 15 year gap. Uh, we didn't, I didn't, haven't seen you in a long time. And when we did that first podcast with Off the Fly, and I seen the last name Tovar, yeah. I'm like, bro, is your dad Elvin? And he said, yes. I'm like, oh, shit. So, bro, like I said, the universe is a crazy place, dude. I'm glad that yeah. um, and I seen your work before. I knew who you were. And, dude, it's beautiful. It's unique. Uh, definitely, I don't know a lot of photographers. My God, I don't know the photography game. So definitely love your work, bro. And I'm I'm honored that you come on you know, you're willing to come on the podcast. I'm honored that you're willing to share information too, bro. Yeah. Um can you talk about that? What type were there photographers that gave you um advice, you know, what settings or you know, angles, Dude. things like that?
essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, even at times, I would see a dope photo, and I would message that person, and I would ask that dude, like, hey, dude, like, solid photo. Um, what do you recommend for a beginning photographer to, I don't know, take my interest, take my passion, and capitalize on that and keep run, running with it? And some people were very, uh, very blunt with me. Some people were very... Uh, standoffish, Definitely. Uh, didn't really want to share information, share information, share locations or share settings. Um, but at the same time, like I was never asking for an exact answer. Like I didn't want the exact formula. I didn't want the secret formula. Like Clinton doesn't SpongeBob. Like Definitely. I'm cool off that mm-hmm. because everyone see everyone has a different eye, bro. Everyone sees things differently. Like you might do five plus five equals ten. But I may I may do eight plus two. Six plus seven. four, like, yeah. Definitely. We're gonna we're gonna have somewhat of the same product, but our processes are gonna be way different. Definitely. So I had people tell me like, Oh bro, go teach yourself, don't ask for a handout, um, do your own thing. So I took that with a grain of salt and that's when I just hit downtown Baker, so I'll try and learn whatever I could. And then from there I started researching things on YouTube and Google, like, oh what is a shutter speed and what is an ideal shutter speed or mm-hmm. what does this function of the camera do? Like, how do I get a blurred out background or I don't know. I just started researching things on YouTube and Google. Uh, along the way, I met so many, so many homies as well. Um, so many other people that are willing to share like information and kind of like collaborate and stuff. So right now, like when people come to me asking questions for locations or settings or recommendations, like, dude, I love answering questions Definitely, like that bro. just because I'd rather, I'd rather put off a very healthy, good energy mentality to these younger photographers that are trying to get in it. Definitely. Um, rather than telling them like, "Oh, bro, go, go teach yourself." Like, don't talk to me. Like, I don't ever want to think I'm I'm too good for something or too good for someone. Or like, I always want to take the time and and say, "Hey, like, this is how I would do it. Uh, this is what I'd recommend." Because I was in that person's shoes. Yeah, I, I was there like two or three years ago and I mean even to right now I'm still not where, where I want to be and I still ask those questions definitely. I still look up to uh, to lots of photographers and, and email them and like try and pick their brains on just different ideas or different perspectives and stuff so I guess I'm, just don't cap yourself like always be, always have that open minded mentality definitely. to learn to grow because like I said you might do 5 plus 5 equals 10 but I may do 8 plus 2 Definitely. Our processes are way different. Definitely. But the product may be the same. Definitely. I uh, think it's like that with so much art, so bro. That's, that's kind of how like. I think it's like that with all the art, especially with, again, with DJing. A lot of people just push me to the side, bro. Like, oh, you got you to gotta learn how to count these bars by yourself. I'm not going to teach you how I transition. I'm not going to teach you how I scratch. Like, people, and I'm not trying to cry about it. I, I, I'm self-taught. People are mean, though, like, when it comes to the art. I feel like people, especially these established DJs, they have 25 years worth of, you know, experience. They're not going to give you that 25 years worth of game in a sit-down. They refuse to do that. And my thing is, like, bro, I don't need the – you don't – I got to open the door for me. I just need you to just show me the door and let me walk through myself and let yeah. me figure it out. Um, 100%. I, I just – I you in the right direction. Yeah, that's all I need, and it's harder. I, I think with DJs, it's a little more difficult. They're a little more cutthroat. I think with undercutting and um, just 
a lot of um, they're not afraid to speak their mind either. You know, they don't respect your game. That's cool too. You know, that's not me. I, I feel like we we could um we have that in common too. I want to give the next DJ as much game as possible, man. Like my first speakers, I gave them to a new guy. Like I didn't even charge him what I paid for. I think I paid my third game half off. Like, bro, I paid this much. You got him from half what I got. I just want to keep that. Um, I just want to keep that going. Just give it back. Pay it forward. I've learned that too from a couple of my my cousins who DJs. They always gotta pay it forward. If you're not using your equipment, you're not gonna have no use for it. Why not give it to somebody who's just getting started? Cause you needed that too. Like, I don't. I'm not really stingy with information. You know, I'm not. I've had people come up to me too. Like, yo, can I get your whole? Can I get your hard drive off of you for seventy five dollars? I'm like, no, my guy. Why would I do that? <laughs> like. People are crazy. Like I'm not giving my hard drive out. That's like I've worked my ass off of this music. Like it's crazy, man. That's another thing with the Lefevre wedding. DJing is not just not not every gig's different. Music wise, um, sometimes you gotta just be just. I think it was all background music, ceremony, and how long did I play some pop some hip? I played like two hip hop songs the whole night. I played low, baby got back, and and uh, that the get up by Blanco Brown, bro. Yeah. Those are the, those are the only songs I remember playing that night, and that's yeah. that's different for me too, cause I feel like I need to get I want to get practice time in, you know. Um, I wasn't complaining either. I'm you know that was part of the deal. I knew what I was walking into, but I do like to get my practice sessions on. You can't get a live crowd when you're at home. You know what I mean. Especially in these times right now, I've been, I've been, I've been, we've been out of the game for two months with the live crowd. I need to get that reaction. I need to make sure that my skills are still on point. But again, man, I think this. I felt, I felt, it was cool. I think that was a perfect ceremony just to get my feet wet again, man. And I think with the with this whole pandemic that's going on, it kind of made me want to go back to my roots a little bit too, because I'm not ashamed to say I've I signed up with the Beat Junkies. Just taking their tutorials, like they're, they're, you know, they've been in the game thirty-five years. Why wouldn't I sign up for their DJ classes? There's some stuff I don't know. Like I didn't come up. I don't. I don't make beats. I don't. Um. I I used to make music, but I wasn't in the game like that, you know. So I think this is a perfect time to humble myself and just kind of find that love again. So. Dude, I feel that. Yeah, bro. I feel like sometimes people need that. Like sometimes I feel like people get caught up into into the clout, into the fame, definitely. into and to damn, it's hot. Yeah, like, definitely. People, I don't know. I, I sometimes take take a time and look at myself from a third person perspective and ask myself, what can I do better? Or ask myself from a 2015 Jake perspective. Definitely. What would I What would I do differently? Like, mm-hmm. still trying to remember the basics. Still trying to remember the stepping stones that that brought me here, type of thing. Definitely. Uh, and I'm with you, bro. Like, there's certain photographers that sell. Uh, some people like sell presets, like they sell their filters, or some people like offer a uh, like a Skype session or a Zoom call session mm-hmm. where you could just pick their brains on on mentorship essentially kind of like what you mentioned with that with that dj group and stuff definitely but on the on the topic of experience i feel like i feel like i I even see things way differently now than i do back in 2015 2014 like Mm -hmm. the eye has for sure matured as well definitely Uh, 
So I tell people that as well. Like it's deeper than just buying a thousand dollar camera. Definitely. Getting like uh, what is called Lightroom on like Adobe. That's what we edit on mm-hmm. Lightroom or Photoshop. Getting that on your computer and buying some. Sorry, excuse me. It's deeper than just buying a camera, buying a computer, and Definitely. getting amazing photographs. Yes. Sorry. Um, it's way deeper than that. Like, you can't put a price on someone's mentality. You can't put a price on someone's vision. Definitely. Like, I could give, I could give Uncle Rico my camera, and Uncle Rico can give me his like iPhone, whatever. And we can see who comes up with like a more creative photo or like a better photo. Definitely. Um, and then the perspectives may be may, may be different because Uncle Rico is going to see things way differently than I see things. Definitely. I think that's why photographers are photographers because we just see things differently. And then with DJs and like producers as well, as well they just hear things differently. Exactly. You hear, you hear a track, mm-hmm. and sometimes my buddies will talk to me. They do a little sound engineering and music producing. Mm-hmm. They hear a track, and all they can hear is the snare. All they can hear is the the hi hats. Definitely. Opposed to the whole the whole song. Yes, definitely. And they're like, like, dang, that needs to be adjusted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or that needs to be adjusted. Like, we just hear things and see things differently to an definitely. extent. But capitalizing on that and letting that that sound or letting that vision mature as well comes with experience. It's all experience, uh, bro. All experience. I think all like we say in basketball, all reps are good reps. I think every every photo session is a rep for you. Every DJ gig is a rep for me. So. All reps matter, bro. Yeah. Um, speaking of, again, let's go back to the photography. What would be your type, your favorite, um, I guess, like a wedding? What's your favorite, I guess, uh, object to shoot? What's the environment? Yeah, Doesn't, yeah. Um, what would that, what would be your favorite? Yeah, definitely, homie. Um, well, first and foremost, I love photographing people. Um, people, and I love photographing people to understand their stories to understand why they do the things that they do um, with graduations, asking them why did they pick their major or how did they come up or like, I don't know, just getting more into their story. And if I can facilitate telling their story through my lens, then that's the biggest, uh, that's like the biggest win for me. Um, But to straightforward answer your question, I really enjoy, I enjoy nature. I enjoy being outside. So meshing the two, photographing people, in a very naturesque landscape. Um, so you'll see me mob a lot to the sequoias, up yes. to the mountains, yes. even to Hatchapi, bro. There's spots <laughs> up there. Like, yes. Even to like the outskirts of Bakersfield, like going towards Taft, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I hate this mentality sometimes a lot of Bakersfield people have. They're like, oh, that photo was just too pretty to be taken in Bakersfield. Yeah. I shot it like Hart Park, Hart, Hart Park once. And um, the photo looked dope and it looked cool. And some, some person replied, was like, yo, that's way too pretty to be Bakersfield. Mm. And I didn't say nothing back, but I'm like, no, nah, it's, it's not too pretty. You just got to see the beauty in it. Definitely, bro. You got to be open-minded to see, like, like that's beautiful, bro. Um, yes. But again, like, not everyone sees the way photographers see things and how we manipulate things and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. teach is on. Um, Definitely. But to answer your question, like, I love hitting Yosemite. I love hitting Sequoia National Park. Um, some of my favorite places are in like Oregon and, and Washington area. Um, I love meshing both couples and then single individuals just with that type of landscape and nature. Definitely. And composition wise, I always love incorporating motion. Whether yes. people are running, whether people are jogging. Um, I don't know, but also 
I love motion, but I also love very seriousness. Yeah. So I'll have people like lay down in like an open field and just take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something casual like that. So it kind of goes both ways, but people are for sure my uh, my go-to. Definitely. I love telling their story. I know that is kind of cliche to say. No, that's but, uh, that's that's facts I right do, there. I, I do it for the people to hell with the. Uh, an expensive camera or an expensive laptop or anything like that like I don't know like the people's story and the, the reasons why people do what they do and allowing me to facilitate telling their story Definitely. is what I really really enjoy and speaking of telling your story bro that's another thing I respect about you and we have another connection when did you decide this is what I'm going to do for a living there's no more 9 to 5's um, yeah. well with me school's still there but this this is my this is how I'm gonna eat. This is how I'm gonna make sure uh, food stays on the table, and I'm gonna maintain myself. When did you come to that uh, conclusion? Uh, well, so after I started photographing my brother in his football games and his soccer games, um, I bought a 50 millimeter lens off my my buddy Dylan. His name is Extra Icy on Instagram. Solid photographer. He's actually one of the dudes that inspired me the most uh, in Bakersfield to like keep pursuing photography and like mm-hmm. to pick up a camera and stuff so big shout out to Dylan he uh he actually shot Zachary or Zachary's like shout out to him art and like he works with TV occasionally yeah, definitely um, just shout out Dylan but dude the 50 millimeter really changed my perspective a lot and it's kind of more known for a portrait lens mm-hmm. opposed to like a landscape lens so once I caught that I started uh taking photos of my brothers and his or my brother and his friends and I think with that aspect just brought me more around portraiture and that kind of like made me it forced me to uh, I don't want to say fall in love with people because uh, I've always enjoyed like company I, I consider myself a people person yes but that type of lens made me want to photograph more people which eventually led to other people hitting me up for like graduation photos or like prom photos or formal photos yes. things of that nature so then I started thinking like yeah maybe maybe I can start doing this uh, part time back then I was pursuing a communications degree mm-hmm. and I was working as a server at Outback Steakhouse shout out Outback my guy but uh, yeah I was at Outback for like probably two and a half three years and stuff um, from 2000, let's say, 14 to 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would, on my schedule at Outback was booming at the time. And then slowly kind of just started transitioning from Outback being way up here, photography being down, being down here, Definitely. and then just switching, switching paths. Um, but September of 2015 is when I started to get booked more and I started booking things in advance as well. Um, I saved up about $4,000 just so I could have something to live off of. Yes. And I talked to my parents before quitting. I was like, yo, what do you what do you think? Um, this is a cool idea. You think I should do it? Should I pursue it? Should I keep going to school? Uh, what do you think? And my mom was like, no, nah, continue with your degree. Of course. My dad, was like, <laughs> my dad was like, try for a year. If it don't work, you go back to school. Definitely. Uh, Take the risk. Yeah, so September 2015 is when I actually took that jump. Uh, it was on a Monday. I think it was like September September 13th or September 14th. It was on a Monday. My brother and I went to go eat dinner at Outback because uh, we, <laughs> we 
percent off as like an employee, which Definitely. was clutch. <laughs> yeah, it's very clutch. So we went in there like seven p.m., eight p.m. Monday night, and then uh, I went in to talk to the proprietor, to, to the owner, mm-hmm. and she's really cool. Like she's been like like a like a work mom to me. Yeah, um, love her, and my parents know her as well. They, my dad and her used to work together in okay. the restaurant industry back when they were in college. So cool, cool. She's always been like awesome to me. Um, so I came into her office. I was like, yo, <laughs> and she kind of already knew what I was going to say. She kind of already knew where I was going to take that conversation. Um, and fortunately she just op- like welcomed me with open arms. And I was like, yo, go pursue your passion. Like I'm happy you found something that makes you happy. Just keep going with it. Definitely, bro. Uh, so in September that happened. It was on a Monday night. And then Tuesday morning I got like three inquiries for photo shoots. That people wanted to put down deposits right then and there, mm-hmm. so I felt like that was a sign from the universe and a sign from God that this is something yes. that you need to pursue. Yes, <laughs> even more so. Yes, yes. Um, so that happened, and then I just knew that from there, I mean, it's like work ethic. Like I still got to keep going. I still got to keep pushing, putting lots of hours in on Lightroom, lots of hours in in on the computer, but also trying to shoot as much as I can because like you said the more reps you get the more layups you get it the more free throws you get it definitely unless you're Shaq yeah definitely but, unless you're a natural but it's a work you yeah. gotta work there's nothing like yeah you gotta you gotta work for it um, and uh, yeah like work ethic I feel like beats talent any day because you definitely. got someone to put in 15 hours a day where someone who's super talented only puts in 2 hours a day Definitely. But eventually that person who puts in that 15 hours a day is going to be better. Definitely. That person putting two hours a day is, is content. I think we can never be content, bro, with our passions. That's another thing, yeah. too. We can't be content. Um, I remember you telling me this story a while back, too. And when I was going through my little fib with my ex-employer, you honestly, bro, you, your, your story inspired me, too. So, you know what? Maybe this is the sign from the universe. Just go all in. Because I don't yeah. want to be 35 and looking back like, damn, what if I just would have done that? What if I just would have been, I should have just took that leap of faith and just said, yo, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to yeah. do whatever I can to make sure that uh, I succeed in what I want to do. So I relate to that so much, bro. And I I know, like, Homeboy Show, I appreciate you telling your story, bro. I think we, there's so many people who are scared to make that jump. Or there's so many people who listen to the naysayers or their family. No disrespect to the family. My family wasn't on board at all. Like, yo, you guys gonna DJ? That's all you gonna do? Like, well, yeah. Like, why not? Like, if I if I could fill out this calendar, why not? And I think people do need to know it's okay to take that risk. It's okay to take the jump with your passion. If you feel like you can put the work in, you're good at it. Try it out, dude. Hundred percent. Because I mean, on the aspect of having a part time job, or even a full-time job because I know cats that mm-hmm. went to college, got their degree, are like engineers and like in their in their their profession. Definitely. And they still find ways that they're still unhappy. They're, they don't want to do what they're doing. They'd rather be artistic. They'd rather go DJ. They'd rather go take photos, yeah. be a videographer, get into something that they've always truly have found happiness in. And on the aspect of like recommending for people to go from part-time to full-time with their with their creative vision, like, think about all the time you put into a part-time job or all the time you put into school or all the time you put into a profession. Definitely. Like, people are working 
Yeah, five to twelve hours, five to thirteen hours a day. Yeah. Um, in their profession, which is cool. Like, if you want to do that, like that's fine. Like, I'm not telling you don't pursue your your profession. But on the concept of time, think that's about fine. what you could be doing with that eight hour shift that you'll be working at Outback. Yes. Um, those eight hours you could be putting towards learning more how to edit your photos or watching more YouTube videos or even learning how to monetize your craft or even how to become a better better people person or reading Definitely. a book on this type of environment. So that's what I tell my homies who want to who wanna take their craft into a full-time position. Like, dude, just think about all of the time. And essentially, time is one of the only things we don't have control of. We can't buy time, ever. But can't buy time. We can always make another twenty bucks, hundred bucks. We can always get another job, but the time. Sorry, I drink a bubbly drink. No, you good, my guy. You good. <laughs> the time we have, the time we have for ourselves, and the time we have, what we choose to do with our time, and if it makes us happy or not. I'm a pretty big advocate for follow that happiness, follow that bliss, follow that what makes you happy. Because if you if you find yourself doing something you just don't want to do for 10, 20, 30 years of your life, like, you might find yourself in a very unhappy type of situation. Definitely, bro. But, I don't know, I'm, I'm just a really big fan of follow that happiness, and time is a huge thing that follows into that, because what you do with your time is your decision. And yeah, people need to eat, people need to make money, people need to pay bills, people need to provide for family. I understand all that. Um, but... If there's a, uh, an opportunity for you to monetize your passion, monetize your craft, or if you even want to do it for monetization. Definitely. Because I also have other homies who strictly shoot like landscape photos and they strictly shoot just, I don't know, stuff you would see on like National Geographic and they have their, their part-time job, they have their full-time job and they, they enjoy that. Definitely. They enjoy their, their job and then they enjoy their off time taking photos, which is cool. Like, like monetization and, and full-time photography or full-time DJ, I mean, it's not for everyone. It's not, bro. It's hard. But at the same time. It's hard. What, what you do with your time is crucial. Exactly. And I would just say, do what makes you happy with that time. That, Whatever that may be. That's, how, that's exactly how I felt. with, And I, I'm like, I'm not knocking the 8 to 5 at all, but I did it for 5 years in the cubicle, bro. And that's why I said, what's more important, my mental health? I'm just kind of slaving here. I'm not getting, I'm at the same spot. There's no moving up, which is fine, you know I accepted that when I took the position, but this the last two yeah. years, bro, been so awesome. I wish I would have done it so much. I wish yeah. I would have done this a long time ago. Um, this the the struggle. There's beauty in the struggle too. I think there's so much beauty in the yeah. struggle, and just the people I've met along the way, it's been awesome, dude. It's been worth everything. I know there's been time. I I, I know my some of my friends told me talk to me in six months, and dude, it's almost been two years. So it's it's an awesome thing, bro, and you you inspired yeah. that honestly, my guy, and I appreciate you, man. With um, yeah, dog, nah. I mean, I'm here anytime. I'm, yeah, I love that. Hey, bro, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It wasn't you just said whenever you need me, just let me know. We said okay, Thursday at twelve, let's do it. And look, we're here for yeah. inspiring photographers, bro. What would you? What would be your advice to them? The, the up-and-comers, the ones who are, you know, just relatively new, pick up the camera, or just someone who's still trying to find their way. Yeah, definitely. Dang. Advice for inspiration. Um, well, I would ask 
would ask them, like, what, what sets you on fire, homie? Like, what music do you listen to? Or what, what inspirations do you have already? And, I mean, I don't know. I think as, as, far, as, an, 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 as far as an inspirational aspect, I would just capitalize on the things that you get inspired by already. Um, so, for example, for me, like, one of my favorite feelings is waking up in the morning, making coffee, chugging that coffee, putting on some really popping music, and then getting to my computer and just editing and jamming. Definitely. But at the same time, like, there's also, I guess I drive off of feelings. Um, because there's also some type of feeling, and photographers know this, um, waking up before, sorry if it's windy, if you could hear it. Are you good? I can hear you perfectly, bro. Yeah, that's right. Definitely. I would say too, if you're gonna do this, any any art, you gotta be willing to put the time in. And it's gonna be sometimes you don't want to mix, you don't want to take photography, you don't want to, you don't want to. It's me. It's a grind. I always say, just keep grinding, keep grinding. You have to grind. There's no shortcuts in this shit. Like, yeah. especially with me, I feel like with me, there's there's so many DJs out there, bro. I think being a people's person, treating them the way you want to be treated, being on time, the little things matter because there's so much competition out here. And shout out to all the DJs. I love them. I think that you have to understand the grind is going to, it's not for the week, bro. It's, this isn't, there's no days off. And that's what I love about this life too. It's all on me. It's all on, it's all on us. If we don't do it, no one else is going to do it. Definitely, bro. Before Instagram kicks us off, man, where can people see your catalog? People see your work. People, um, you know, could contact you to possibly book you. Yeah, um, Jacob E Tovar dot com. J A C O B E T O V A R dot com. Rebranded. I remade the website a few months ago. Uh, so keep it. And then also here on on Instagram or Twitter, everything is symmetrical. So if you just look up Jacob E Tovar, you'll find my Instagram. You'll find my Twitter. And uh, you'll find the website as well. Um, but yeah, no, everyone hit me up with anyone has questions. Uh, I'm always willing to lead people in like the right direction. Definitely. I'm always down for creative conversations. Definitely. Um, I love music. I love art. I love hip hop. I love indie. Definitely. Um, I appreciate a lot of things. Definitely, bro. And I appreciate you coming on, bro. I think part two, we're gonna do this again. We're gonna. I think we should dive a little deeper into the music. And how that um, affects your work. I see that all the time. Especially your captions. We got to go into that when we do this again. Um, I'm down, dude. Make sure everybody enters my guy Jake's raffle. If I win, Jake, I want to give that to somebody. Um, okay. I want to give that to somebody, bro, for they can experience that. Especially if you know, I have a couple of friends who are having babies. And 
you know, those maternity shoots, they look, yours look awesome, bro. So I would love to have that, just give that away to somebody who, you know, who needs, who wants that work. I think you get the be get the best of the best. So that's why I, I entered it. And just this supports you, my guy, because you support me. You came on here um, and you did it, you know, Thursday. Let's go. So I appreciate you, bro. I need to comp one of your, uh, one of your t-shirts and one of your hoodies. Bro, yes, my guy. You, yeah. Dude, those are wild. People love those things. Good God. Yeah. I got you. Actually, well, that's why I wanted you to come. I had one for you. So I got you. I'll, I want to link up with you. I got yeah, you. No, send, me, send me your Venmo. Yeah, I, I definitely want to support that as well. So got you, I my got guy. You got you, bro. Well, Jake, this is episode 45, the first ever live Instagram. I appreciate you. The audio is going to be out tomorrow. So we'll link up and we'll, we'll keep in contact. All right, my guy? Word. Appreciate you, Ernie. Thank you, you too. Brother. Tell your parents I said what's up, bro. Stay up. Likewise. All right, my guys. guy. Take care. Peace.